and welcome in to another version of A to Z today with Mark Zeno. I'm your boy, John Michaels, filling in for Mark today. Give me a follow on social media at John Michaels U and welcome into the Locked On Atlanta podcast. Make sure you give us a follow on also all social media platforms. Check us out on YouTube, all the different places. This segment brought to you by our good friends at betonline.net. My goodness, we got a lot to get into in the next 30 or 40 minutes today. Huge conversation about the Atlanta Hawks, including a mythical idea that was thrown out by one of the national outlets that I've had some great reaction on social media about. We'll also dive into what's going on around college football because everything that we know and love about college football is completely out the window. And there are some local teams that could be left behind if they don't get in front of the process. And we're going to talk about everything that's going on with the Atlanta Braves, a great winning streak, where they're at right now as you get into the 4th of July weekend. And one of the biggest concerns I would have for that baseball team going forward. But we'll start with what happened yesterday, the bombshell that dropped and how it affects the team locally. First and foremost, congratulations to the Atlanta Hawks. An awesome idea, making a trade, Danilo Gallinari, three first-round picks heading back to San Antonio, and then in return, you're going to get a really, really dynamic player in DeJounte Murray, a guy who was 21-9-8 a year ago for the San Antonio Spurs. You put him in the backcourt with Trey Young, and all of a sudden, I think the Hawks have really positioned themselves in a good place in the Eastern Conference. I mentioned this on my social media page, at John Michaels U, right before this trade went down, or right after the trade went down, and before free agency really got rolling, that simply what you had to look at was the potential that the Hawks have now positioned themselves into a, probably the six-hole in the Eastern Conference and maybe a little bit higher. And again, this was before free agency got underway and before the bombshell with Kevin Durant dropped from Brooklyn. I said right now the top three in the Eastern Conference are, are Boston, NBA finalists, Milwaukee with a healthy Chris Middleton going to be really good. And then Miami, whatever they end up being with Jimmy and Bam and Kyle Lowry and Tyler Hero, a really good group. I said the second group, and again, this was before yesterday. I think the Atlanta Hawks moved themselves in the second group with the Philadelphia 76ers, probably with the Brooklyn Nets, again, before what happened yesterday, and the Chicago Bulls sitting right there. Maybe you throw the Cleveland Cavaliers in the mix as well. The story comes out yesterday with Kevin Durant and he wants out of Brooklyn. The story comes out yesterday with Kyrie Irving potentially now wanting to follow Kevin Durant out of Brooklyn, and what that does is it moves the Hawks a little bit closer up the food chain. Now, Philadelphia ends up making a move. They go get P.J. Tucker. He's going to help some of the toughness with them, but there's a lot of talk right now that what you're going to get with P.J. Tucker, uh, it could be offset by potentially Tobias Harris, some different guys like that going another way, but for the Hawks, You've got to love this right now. When you think about the Hawks, you've got a dynamic backcourt. You could argue outside of Steph and Clay, and depending on the health of Clay Thompson, that Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray can be that. Think about some of the ailments that the Hawks had a year ago. Some of the ailments were pretty simple. Uh, when Trey Young wasn't able to create his shot, they really didn't have a number two guy who could go out and create his own shot and do the things that he wanted to get done. Trey Young had to facilitate. Trey Young had to do a lot of stuff with the ball when he was off the floor, especially once Lou Williams was no longer really a part of the equation. Once he was off the floor, all bets were off. Kevin Herter, nice spot-up shooter, not creating his own shot. Boogie Bogdanovich has some moments where he could create his own shot, but is he really the guy that you want spending a lot of time with the ball? 
you don't have that, obviously, with John Collins. Clint Capella is a rebounding garbage guy, and I say that with all due respect to Clint Capella. He's a rebounding putback guy. He's not a guy that's bringing the ball up the court and facilitating anything. Adding DeJounte Murray now makes it completely different for the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, dude, completely different. You now think about having a guy when Trey's on the floor, you've got a dynamic player in DeJounte who can get his own shot at any time, and he has the ability to bring the ball up the court and allow to Trey to play off the ball. How awesome is that? If Trey Young is playing off the ball, you can use him some of the same ways that the Golden State Warriors have done with Steph Curry. He doesn't always have to bring the ball up the court, just doesn't have to get that done. In just a second, we'll tell you a crazy idea about CBS, uh, what CBS had to say about the Atlanta Hawks and maybe a trade I'm in favor of, but I can tell you now a lot of the fans are not. But first, a word from our sponsor, Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You want to head right now to betonline.net. Again, that's betonline.net. It remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, news this season. It's also the fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Again, bet online. That's where I go to bet. I'm going to be betting on Triple G and Canelo coming up pretty soon. And when it gets to football season, I know Mark Zeno claims to be the big gambling guy, but I'll go on and gamble with him as well. Only one place. That's betonline.net. I saw this story uh, earlier today as CBS is trying to figure out different places that Kevin Durant can end up. And they've thrown out a couple of different scenarios. And one of the things they said was, Brooklyn should not allow Kevin Durant to really hold them hostage. They should not allow Kevin Durant to say, hey, I want to go here or I want to go there. And they threw out a scenario with the Hawks potentially getting in the mix. And they asked, would you trade Trey Young and a first round pick for Kevin Durant? My answer is yes. My answer is absolutely I would put on a scenario where you can go get Kevin Durant. And hear me out for a second, because I know people think I'm crazy. And they were telling me on social media, I'm absolutely crazy for even thinking about an idea like this. Kevin Durant makes you an instant NBA championship contender. Think about if the price was only Trey Young and a first-round pick, what your team looks like. You then have DeJounte Murray starting as your point guard. You then are probably going to start Kevin Herter at two. You're going to start DeAndre Hunter maybe at three. Maybe you have Kevin Durant starting at the four, or you do positionless where maybe Hunter slides to the two, KD starts at the three, whether it's John Collins, Clint Capella in the power positions, you throw in in Yucca Congo, you still have Bogey Bogdanovich. You're talking about a guy, and I get it. Kevin Durant's an older dude. He's 34 years old, or he'll be 34 in this upcoming season. He's still under contract for four more years. Four more years, you have team control of Kevin Durant, as much as team control can mean in the NBA. Trey Young is a star, and I love Trey. I don't want anybody to think that I don't love Trey Young because I flat out love Trey Young and everything that he's about. But Kevin Durant puts you in a different stratosphere. We just talked about where the Hawks are with DeJounte Murray. I think they're in that second group. If you get te- Kevin Durant, and you only would have to give up a Trey Young. You are 100% in the top group with Boston, Miami, and Milwaukee. The other thing you do if you do that, you potentially stop him from going to a place like Miami. Because imagine if Miami somehow can pull it off and it's Jimmy Butler and Kevin Durant and whatever, whatever other pieces they can cobble around there. 
You have a culture that would want to win basketball games. And I think in Atlanta, when's the last time you've had, and Trey is a superstar, but you've had that guy in the NBA. They've never really, other than Dominique Wilkins, had that guy in the NBA. And Dominique wasn't where Kevin Durant is. Dominique, when he was there, it was MJ and it was Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Charles Barkley. Dominique was in that lower group. Kevin Durant's still one of the three best players in the world. One of the three best. He averaged 29 points a game, and I get it. They got swept last year in the first round against a really good Boston team that made it to the finals. It was a crazy idea that CBS threw out, but I have always been a swing-for-the-fence type of guy. You swing for the fence, and you go get the best player on the planet or the second best or the third best, and you let the other pieces fall around. Think about when LeBron goes different places. Think about this for a second, Hawks fans. When LeBron goes different places, other guys want to go play alongside LeBron. Anthony Davis wanted to go play alongside LeBron. If you suddenly have Kevin Durant in the fold, people want to come here. Now, it's a fantasy trade. It'll never happen. I understand all the rationale behind it. I understand the league rules that you couldn't trade Trey Young potentially um, to Brooklyn because they have Ben Simmons. You can't have two guys on max rookie extensions on the same team. Let's be real. If they were getting Trey Young, Ben Simmons would be on the next thing smoking up out of there. They would trade him to wherever they would take him. Just an interesting thought uh, and an interesting process to potentially talk about. When we get back, this team could be in trouble for being left behind in the arms race when it comes to college football. John Michael's in for Mark Zeno here on A to Z on Locked On ATL. All right, we're back on A to Z with Mark Zeno, John Michaels at John Michaels U. In for Mark today, having a good time, just hanging out, uh, talking a lot of sports. We got a lot more to get into. Interesting conversation when you talk about that Kevin Durant and Trey Young stuff. This segment of the program brought to you by Arcade One Up. Appreciate all they do here on the Locked On Network. Again, check us out on uh, all social media platforms, Locked On ATL. Huge bombshell. It's crazy. You know, I work morning radio normally, and I took a nap yesterday, as I normally do, for about two hours. And I wake up, and my phone is absolutely blowing up with news that's going on. First, the Kevin Durant stuff comes down. He wants to be traded from Brooklyn. It was obviously NBA free agency day. The Hawks had made a trade for DeJounte Murray. It was official. They got the press conference coming up a little bit later on today. But then the college football news broke that USC and UCLA were moving across country to be part of the Big Ten. And you ask, how the heck does this have anything to do with Atlanta? Well, there's an institution, the Institute, down in downtown Atlanta, that is in real danger of being left behind when it comes to everything that's going on in the college football arms race. What you've seen right now is this is now a money situation and nothing else. This is no longer a situation that's about regional rivalries. Like we think about the 80s, 90s, 2000s when we all grew, at least when I grew up, college football was a very regional game. Southeastern teams kind of played Southeastern teams. Big 10 teams were up here in the Midwest. You had the Pac-10 way out then. You had the Southwest Conference, which was Texas, the Big 8, kind of in that central part of the country. You had the ACC over here on the Atlantic Coast. You had some independent teams, Penn State, Notre Dame, Miami, different places that just played everywhere. But everything was kind of regionalized. And as we've morphed into everything that's going on with college football, it's become more money-based than rivalry or regional-based. 
And I think Georgia Tech is in a very, very dangerous situation right about now. I really do. Because you start reading all these articles that are out there, The Athletic, CBS, ESPN. Everybody starts talking about what's going on in the arms race in college football. USC, UCLA going to do their thing. What's it all about? Green, money, cashola, payola, whatever it may be. They don't give a damn about their rivalry with Stanford. They don't care about being in California. They don't care about Oregon and the Phil Knight Nike money. All they care about is one thing. How do they line their pockets with more money? And aligning themselves with the Big Ten is going to do so. Texas and Oklahoma, they could care less about their rivalries with previous teams in the Big 12. They align themselves with the SEC because cash is out there. And I thought the Athletic did a really good job today breaking down the money that's involved in all of this. The SEC made almost $770 million, almost a billion, three quarters of a billion dollars a year alone, a year ago, that was divvied up amongst the schools. You're talking about 50, 60, $70 million for each school. The Big Ten was second with about 680 some odd million dollars. And then the ACC was third, and part of that had to do with Notre Dame and their television money coming in during the COVID year. The ACC was right behind at about $500 million. But each institution made almost $20 million less because their TV deal sucks. Uh, their network, and, and I hate what you know, I hate that Mark Packer and Wes Durham are, are no longer going to be doing their show coming out, I think, today may have been their last day. Their, their ACC network's kind of boring. There's not a whole lot involved with that. It's too much time with, you know, with volleyball and lacrosse and whatever it may be. Not enough live studio shows like they have with the SEC. Not enough cachet. But the reason I say locally it ties in and you got to become fearful, what now happens with the ACC? The ACC third out of three. Remember a year ago they did that stupid, stupid alliance. Oh, the Big, the big 12 and the Pac-12 and the ACC, they've got an alliance. This isn't wrestling. This isn't the NWO. You know, you, you're not going to have Hulk Hogan run out and throwing up the, you know, the NWO, the two sweet sign. That's not happening in college football. It's dog eat dog world. And I've always said scared money don't make money. And to, go, to quote the great Wu-Tang Clan, cash rules everything around me. Cash is king in the SEC and the Big Ten. It's king. It's not king in the ACC. It's not king in the Pac-12. It's sure as hell not king in the Big 12. And what's happening now is you're seeing these two power conferences cannibalizing everybody else, and they're going in and they're trying to take all the money. How does this affect Georgia Tech? Well, I was talking to my good buddy Joe Hamilton today, and you know we were, we were discussing what now happens with Georgia Tech. Like, realistically, where does Georgia Tech go in all of this? Just say the Big Ten, and there are rumors that the Big Ten is going to not only take USC and UCLA, which was ratified and voted upon, they're going to possibly take Oregon and Washington, two more big-name programs out of the Pac-12. Well, now the Pac-12 is a dead conference. If Oregon and Washington are gone, nobody gives a rat's ass about Colorado and Utah and Oregon State. And I feel bad because they have fans and they have D1 programs. And every now and then, Colorado's won a national title, you know, within the last 35 years. And, you know, Arizona's been good in times with the Desert Swarm and Arizona State. Point is, nobody TV-wise, nobody cares about any of those programs. No disrespect to those schools. Nobody cares. And in the ACC, there's been rumors that Florida State, Clemson, and maybe Miami would jump ship if the SEC decides to become this mega, mega conference. Well, where does that leave Georgia Tech? You're in an awesome media market. 
you're you're in the seventh biggest media market in Atlanta. Part of why we do locked on ATL. I'll tell you in just a second where I think Georgia Tech's in a dangerous game, but a word from our sponsors. Remember the game NBA Jams? One of my favorites. Boom, shakalaka. You had some of that. Well, right now at Arcade One Up, you can be back to some of this. Thrilled to tell some of our listeners you can once again play hoops with NBA legends with this arcade classic. Jump across the court, shoot threes, dunk from anywhere. But Arcade, the number one up.com, this is one of the best places, and you can get an estimated early September ship date. It's the place for fun, more game classics, Mortal Kombat. Get over here. You had some of that going on. You had NBA Jam, the Shaq edition. You don't want to miss out right now. Enter today. Um, who are you going to play with? But you can check it out. Again, Arcade, the number one up.com. Here's where Georgia Tech's in pro- trouble. What do they bring to the table? realistically right now, other than a great media market and a lot of history and tradition. What do they bring? They're not a good football program and haven't been. Basketball team is, you know, kind of up and down. And and let's be honest, as much as I love baseball and Danny Hall does a great job, baseball is basically a non-revenue sport. It goes along with lacrosse and tennis and everything else. Doesn't make the school money. Who would right now say, I want Georgia Tech in my conference? And can the ACC do enough to save face and not lose Clemson, Florida State, Miami. If I'm Clemson right now, I look and go, the SEC can give me $20 million more per year, I'm out of here. Deuces. If I'm Florida State, who's been a bad football program but has great tradition, and the SEC can give me $20 more million, that might get Mike Norvell out of here. Deuces. I'm gone. Same thing, Miami. They just gave up you know, $100 million basically in staff for Mario Cristobal and everybody. If you can get $20 more million per year, deuces. I'm out of here. But where does that leave Georgia Tech? Because I'm going to tell you now, Clemson, Florida State, and Miami end up getting new places. The ACC is in big trouble. The ACC forever has catered to the triangle schools, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Duke, and Wake Forest. And Wake's kind of the little brother in that mix. Georgia Tech doesn't really have a running mate right now. And I feel horrible for a school that's got multiple national championships in football. They won a title in 1990. Obviously, they split the title with Colorado that year, but they, up until Georgia's title a year ago, they were the most recent national champion here. What does that do for them? I'm being serious. Where would Georgia Tech end up? So here's my, here's my fail safe for the ACC. Your home run pitch right now is Notre Dame must come in full-time. 100%, no more of this limbo, right foot in, right foot out, hokey pokey BS that they've been doing. Notre Dame has to be in the conference full-time because what you can do then is you manipulate that NBC money that Notre Dame has. You say, look, you'll still get a bigger chunk of that. Part of the reason they made their 50-some-odd million dollars a couple of years ago is Notre Dame was in for a year. Remember the COVID year, Notre Dame plays Clemson in the ACC title game. I thought the ACC made a great first step eliminating divisions. I hate it. Atlantic and Coastal, BS. Absolutely awful ideas with the Atlantic and the Coastal. What you ended up having was Clemson for most years playing an eight and four Virginia or a seven and five pit. Nobody gave a damn because they were sacrificial lambs. So your home run that would help Georgia Tech find out how to get Notre Dame in here full time. Because if not, I got a feeling you're going to have a lot of these schools begging to find running mates to make a conference. What I truly think is going to happen in college football by 2025, we're going to have four mega conferences. How that looks schedule-wise, how that looks division, how that looks play-ins, whatever it may be, there's probably going to be four mega conferences. Whether they're 18 or 20 teams, I don't know. 
If it gets to 80, Georgia Tech's safe. You cut that thing down to like 60. Is Georgia Tech right now one of the top 60 schools to be a part of this alliance? I think they are, but that has a lot to do with their history. And I think right now there's going to be 50 or 60 Division I schools that get left behind. We'll come back. We'll continue this conversation. Also, what's going on with a red-hot Atlanta Braves team because Mets fans were metting, and I loved all of it. It's John Michaels in for Mark Zeno. Give me a follow at John Michaels U on A to Z here on Locked on ATL. And welcome back to A to Z with Mark Zeno. John Michaels filling in for Mark here for the next couple of days. Happy 4th of July to everybody out there. I hope you guys have a great, great weekend with an opportunity to spend time with your family. This uh, segment of the program brought to you by Coffee AM. A few more things to get into as we get ready to wrap up and get and head off to the weekend. I think, and to kind of finish up what we were doing right there, I think Georgia Tech will be okay in college football, but it is an arms race right now. And anybody tells you that it's anything other than a money grab at this point, they're full of crap. They've got to figure out does the NCAA NIL deals. They got to figure out these coaching salaries. They got to figure out conferences. And I'll be honest. I think the NCAA is a couple of years uh, removed from not mattering. I really think the NCAA is going to cease to matter when it comes to major college football coming up sooner rather than later. It's going to be 60, 70, 80, maybe even 90 teams break off, do their own thing, have their own rules, their own uh, regulations. And if they want to hire me, I'm all in. I love college football as next as the next man. And I, I can promise you more than Mark Emmert ever does. I will absolutely do things the right way. Actually, I can't even say I'll do them the right way. They'll probably be a little bit crooked, and we'll have some other stuff. We'll dive into what's going on with the Braves and the New York Mets here in just a second. But a word from our sponsor, Coffee AM. Coffee never tasted so good. Coffee AM is an Atlanta-based small-batch coffee roaster that right now has the freshest coffee that you can get your hands on, as most of their coffees right now are done and shipped to you the same day. They roast current crop specialty-grade coffee, and they've got a huge selection. You want to go right now to Coffee AM backslash locked on today and take a look at their full menu of coffees, teas, and gift sets. That's coffeeam.com backslash locked on. You can use the coupon code locked on and check out and get 15% off your first order at coffee, teas, and gift sets. That's coffee AM, the best small batch roaster in the ATL. Again, give me a follow at John Michaels. You on social media. Very interesting. Um, couple of things. Aaron hits us up right now and said, any new rumors for the Hawks this afternoon or is the KD thing halting all business till it's over? I honestly, Aaron, um, and yeah, I do. I talk a lot, but uh, th that's part of what we do here. I will say this, Aaron. Um, honestly, I think all business in the NBA is out until you have the Kevin Durant situation taken care of. And the reason I, I say that, anybody that has called the Brooklyn Nets about anything that's going on with Kevin Durant, when they're calling about Kevin Durant, it's pretty simple. They want to know, are you in or you're out? So if you're in the Kevin Durant deal right about now, and you're trying to figure out, are you going to have a chance at Kevin Durant? You don't make any moves until Kevin Durant is situated. So we'll see how that continues to play out. But I think a lot of things are on hold. I think the Hawks potentially could make a move with John Collins after Kevin Durant has a team. I, right now, I'll be honest, I am all for Kevin Durant uh, coming to Atlanta, I said in, in the first segment of this podcast, I would absolutely have him come around, but we'll see. I'd like to keep John Collins as well because you put some things together. I love the fact that the New York Mets are metting. I love it. 
Love the fact the New York Mets are mending. There was a video, what is it, Barstool, the Stoolies, whoever it was, they were having a game watch the other day where the New York Mets had lost to the Houston Astros. They lose to the Astros two to nothing. They get swept four games there. And these people, when I say these people, meaning Mets fans, are having an absolute meltdown. I mean, a complete meltdown of epic variety. And one of the guys, he starts screaming, but the Braves will never lose. The Braves will never lose. Well, the Braves had one of those record months, 21 wins in the month of June, which was a ton of fun, ton of fun. Uh, But you have a situation playing out right now that I don't necessarily like. Ian Anderson's supposed to be your number three starter right now for the Atlanta Braves. He's not any longer. I would argue right now that Ian Anderson is probably a guy that's better situated as a four or a five. He gets bombed last night by the Philadelphia Phillies. Couldn't get out of the way. Gets out of the second inning, but seven earned allowed. And it seems like they're sitting on his changeup quite a bit where he's not fooling anybody. And it it leads to some interesting conversation as you get closer to the All-Star break and the potential that a guy like Mike Soroka is going to be coming back. We were talking about Mike today on 680 The Fan. Probably not going to be back until early August. And, And quite frankly, you literally have no earthly idea what you're getting with Mike Soroka. You just don't. You're talking about multiple Achilles injuries. We have no idea... Uh, how effective he's going to be. The arm is fine, but you're talking about the plant leg, the push leg uh, for his Achilles. What do you get back? But right now is a team that's pushing to get back to the NLE's division championship and pushing to try to get close to everything that's going on in the division, past the Mets, and maybe repeat as World Series champions. When you have all of these different things going on, you got to get some good starting pitching. So Max Fried and Dave Roberts said a week ago, maybe the best left-hander in all of baseball. Um, and he's pitching like it. He's pitching like an ace. Charlie Morton has come around. Um, you know, you, you, he's had one thing come around where Charlie Morton's starting to pitch a heck of a lot better. It's really, really good there. You have Spencer Strider coming up as the number five guy, pitching really well. And obviously what you're getting – uh, out of your number four starter in Kyle Wright, he might be an all-star this year with nine wins and just over three ERA. He's done a really good job there as well. Ian Anderson hadn't been very good. His last couple of starts, he's been bombed. Now, three starts ago, he was really, really good. But previous to that, he was really, stru- uh, you know, he, he the last two starts, he's really been struggling. So what do you do now? Because you don't have a heck of a lot longer before somebody like Ian Anderson really has to come through, or Alex Anthopoulos starts to think, hey, do I find somebody else to come up and come pitch for me? Kyle Muller's been really good down at AAA Gwinnett. The good thing for the Braves is you are going to get guys coming back healthy. You know, you're, you're talking about Eddie Rosario is coming back sooner rather than later. You're talking about Tyler Matzik's already making some rehab starts down at AAA Gwinnett. He could be coming back sooner rather than later. This team has positioned themselves to make a very, very nice run. But what I like right now is the fact that you have Mets fans everywhere panicking. Is there anything better in Atlanta than having Mets fans panic? I mean, they literally are a group that just sits here and when Sal Licata, the guy from WFAN, was throwing, oh, the division's over in April and May. Dude, get out of here. Do you not know how baseball works? 162 games. The Braves were like five and a half, six back in August last year when Double A made all these moves. What I like is moves are going to be made. 
You're going to have some things play out here where this team continues to climb. You got games against the Reds coming up, a weekend set, and you play the Cardinals, good baseball team, but I think the Braves are positioning themselves to really get rolling. Really appreciate you guys checking this out. Again, Locked On ATL. Follow wherever you want on social media, on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. I'll be back on Tuesday. Zin's out for a couple of more days. Give me a follow at John Michaels. You have a great, safe, and happy 4th of July weekend. See ya.